This is Bigger Pockets Daily. Get ready for a bite-sized guide to building wealth through real estate. BiggerPockets.com offers the world's biggest real estate investing forum and thousands of blog articles like the one I'm about to share. We bring you these in audio form because you can't read when you're riding your bike or building a deck. Okay, almost time for the show. We'll get right into it after this quick break. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that a long time ago, before I ever started my real estate business, I turned one of my first primary residences into an Airbnb? And that's the extra income that I needed from Airbnb that gave me the confidence to go out and work for myself and eventually quit my nine to five job. And now I have dozens of Airbnbs all over the country. I've even partnered up with the old David Green on a recent property in Scottsdale to take our portfolio to the next level. And of course, we host it on Airbnb. But you don't need to be a full-time real estate investor to start on Airbnb. As a matter of fact, I was self-managing 10 properties while working my 9-to-5 job, so I know anybody can do it. Think about it this way. You're looking for extra income and going on a vacation. Wouldn't it be great to rent out your space and let your property pay for itself while you're gone? I did this one time. I pitched my wife and my roommate because we were house hacking on the idea of renting out our home, and it paid for all of our expenses on a trip to Mexico City. So go and give it a try. It might just change your life just like it did mine. And I really do mean that. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. You're trying to close on your next rental. So why is your insurance company dragging its feet? With long lead times and never-ending paper forms, it's no wonder it takes forever to finally get a policy. Modern investors deserve better. They deserve Steadily.com. At Steadily.com, you'll get fast, affordable landlord insurance available online 24-7 in just a few clicks. You can even get next-day coverage, which takes just minutes, by the way, to obtain. And you can do it all from your phone. Steadily was founded by landlords who created insurance products tailored to the unique needs of this industry. It's their sole focus, and that's why landlords nationwide consistently rate them 4.8 out of 5 stars. So whether you've got a single family, short-term, or multifamily portfolio, Steadily.com can secure the best coverage at the best price to protect your properties. Discover how Steadily can save you both time and money on your rental property insurance. Visit Steadily.com for a commitment-free quote tailored to your needs today. Managing your finances used to be a pain. It was either useless apps or overcomplicated spreadsheets. But now with Monarch Money, managing your money is easier than ever. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, track progress toward financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com bigger. Unlike other personal finance apps, Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it easy to set up, customize, and use. You can even collaborate with your partner, family, or financial advisor at no extra cost to get a joint view of all your finances. Customize your dashboard, notifications, and budgets with a tap. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, listeners of this show right here will get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com bigger. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash bigger for your extended 30-day free trial. Well, it's official. Commercial real estate is collapsing by Andrew Sirios. The residential real estate market is doing better than most had expected after interest rates more than doubled last year. 
Prices declined nationally each month from July 2022 to January 2023, although never by more than 1% per month. However, prices came back up 0.2% in February. Ironically, February was the first month that prices dipped year over year, interrupting what was a record 131-month run of ever-increasing prices. It's too early to say, but it appears that despite high rates, the residential market is stabilizing. It's not quite so pretty for commercial real estate, particularly office, though. Let's talk about the office recession. Back in October of last year, I noted that, broadly speaking, the outlook for commercial real estate, specifically office buildings, is not great, and large office buildings in particular are doing poorly and will have difficulty in the coming years. The reasons were threefold. First, the pandemic and lockdowns shuttered a lot of businesses, many permanently, and this led to a general deterioration of the existing stock and reduced demand for office space. Second, Work from home has become more prevalent in recent years, as you know, and COVID only accelerated that. One prominent economist even went so far as to say full-time office work is dead. While many companies are mandating employees return to the office at least part of the time, the increase in work-from-home arrangements has obviously put downward pressure on the demand for office space. Lastly, there's been a notable increase in crime in many cities, while the issue of crime predominantly affects retail, it also hinders offices, particularly in downtown areas that employers tend to pay a premium for because of the popularity of those areas. As the popularity declines, so does that premium. Hmm. Still, it's retail, discussed further a little bit later, that has been hit the hardest by crime, with many major retailers closing shop in various cities. Notably, Walmart has closed half its stores in Chicago and all of its stores in Portland. Target announced it had sustained 400 million bucks in losses due to shoplifting, and Walgreens has closed 10 locations in San Francisco. Oh, speaking of San Francisco, it has been hit particularly hard by all three of these trends. Office, in particular, has taken a beating. This wasn't hard to predict, as I noted last year. The way commercial leases are structured made this all but inevitable. The reason we can know for certain that this problem is going to get worse is the way commercial leases are structured. Unlike the typical lease on a home or apartment unit, commercial leases are usually three to five years long and sometimes even more than that. Downtown commercial real estate was already declining before 2020, but the pandemic turbocharged that decline Many of the firms that signed leases in 17, 18, and 19 are stuck in those leases for just a few more years, but all signs point toward a large number of them leaving after their lease ends. So, if you think vacancy is high now, I'd recommend you go ahead and buckle up, buttercup. <laughs> the trough of this office recession in San Francisco will likely take place in 2025 when two million square feet of office space will have its lease expire. In 2023 and 2024, it's about 800,000 and 1.2 million, respectively. Eww. While San Francisco may have it the worst, office across the whole country has suffered. CBRE notes that Q1 of 2023 saw 16.5 million square feet of negative net absorption. That is, not exactly a positive sign. 
We have a chart from Moody's that shows that after a brief and shallow recovery from the pandemic in 2021, office vacancy rates have again started to increase and are now near 20%, an increase of about 15% since the beginning of 2018. Furthermore, rent increases have fallen dramatically during COVID before rising again in 2021, and they're starting to move back towards zero while inflation is still high. Perhaps another way to visualize this is by looking at how Alexandria Real Estate Equities, the biggest office REIT in the country by a factor of more than two, has performed in the last two years. And let's just say not well, and that's to say the least. Its stock price has almost halved from a peak of $223 a share in December of 2021 to $124.18 at the time of this podcast. Yikes. Other office REITs have performed similarly in the last year or two, and unfortunately, this trend is likely to be with us for a while. Given how leases are structured and how the hard reality that of the three factors driving this decline, the pandemic, work from home, and crime, the pandemic seems to be the only one that has ended or is likely to end very soon. And given there is still a strong possibility of a recession later this year or in 2024, not much of a cause for optimism. This situation can further be seen from a survey CBRE did earlier this year of 250 real estate professionals. Over half expect CBD office, which is central business district, and suburban office cap rates to increase 25 basis points or more. In other words, the price of such buildings will go down, and virtually no one expects cap rates to compress. The only other sector with such a similarly bleak outlook is retail. Which is where we turn next. Is there a retail recession too? The pandemic is thankfully over, and we love that, of course, and retail is not something that can easily be done from home. So, unfortunately, as noted earlier, crime problems affect retail the most. In addition, retail also has to worry about, you know, Amazon. E-commerce as a percentage of total retail sales has grown from less than 5% in 2010 to 14% in 2020 and is projected to be 23.5% by 2025. Amazon accounts for over 40% of online retail sales. Furthermore, inflation has pinched American pocketbooks and caused some to buy less. This can be hidden by raw sales reports because, for example, if you buy three widgets worth $10 one year and then the next year the widgets are $15, so you only buy two. Okay, so both years would still amount to 30 bucks in sales, but inflation doesn't necessarily mean that the profit margins are bigger on any given widget. One survey found 72% of Americans reported buying fewer items when grocery shopping in 2022. I can attest to that as compared to 64% in 2021. Even still, retail sales in terms of dollars spent have fallen in four of the last five months, and are mostly flat since early 2021. Still, as far as vacancy rates go, retail is doing substantially better than office, albeit not great. It has recovered from the increase during COVID, but settled in almost 50 basis points above where it was in 2018. Rents have been steadily increasing after major declines during COVID, but still trail inflation substantially, unfortunately. We can also look at the biggest retail REITs to get an idea of their relative performance. Realty Income Corp. tops the chart here, 
and while 2022 and 23 have not been kind to it, it's only down about 15% from its peak in August of 22 and just a bit over 20% since its pre-COVID peak, far better than Alexandria real estate equities. Now let's turn our thoughts to the commercial real estate recession, and then we'll wrap up for today. While residential real estate, including apartments and industrial, are doing okay despite the high interest rates, other sectors have not been nearly as fortunate. While we do appear to be in a shallow recession for retail, office has taken a beating. The long-term future looks questionable for retail as Amazon and other e-commerce firms continue to eat into the share of brick-and-mortar establishments, at least in the present, though. Retail appears to be stabilizing somewhat. Office properties, yeah, different story. The situation for such properties is dire, and it's only getting worse. And it will likely be some time before such trends reverse. I hope you enjoyed the show today. Remember, connecting with real estate investors in your market is one of the most valuable uses of your time. Visit biggerpockets.com events to find a meetup near you. See you tomorrow.